Hey, hey, people in motion, you're listening to What Does This Button Do? The podcast about hardtech. Brought to you by the Makerspace and hardtech innovation hub, Motion Lab Berlin. Please welcome your host Christoph, that's me, and Roy. And for today's episode, we're welcoming Lisa from Suncrafter. Welcome, Lisa, to the show. Christoph, hi Roy. Thanks for being invited today. Great, great. You could make it. Um, let's jump right into it. What is Suncrafter? Suncrafter is a company concerning itself with uh, all kinds of off-grid solar and second-life solar topics, and producing various products uh, around these two topics. There was a lot here. So off-grid solar. <laughs> And Second Life Solar. I know Second Life, the computer game, so but it's probably nothing to do with it. And off-grid no. is like, is it for people who want to live in the wild? I guess you could take it. And we have had several customer requests from people who, who want to go off-grid, basically. You want to go into the wild a little bit. But uh, the idea behind off-grid is that you can make clean energy accessible wherever it is needed. And that ranges literally from remote areas in the global south that are too sparsely populated to justify grid infrastructure, for example, um, to places in the city where it would just be too much bureaucratic effort to connect something to the grid. So it's basically a completely independent solar system that you can take anywhere and, yeah, charge with exactly. them. Exactly. Or... Exactly. You can take them anywhere you need. Um, uh, we've started the company with the idea to bring these particular systems into the global south where it's really about access. So our systems are maybe not the most, I don't know, they don't have the highest capacity you could ever imagine or something like that. But it's really just about generating a very simple access at a, to clean energy in a particular place in an uncomplicated way. Awesome. And uh, so we, we started um, really looking more at the global south. And then we realized over time that There's places all over the world, all over Europe, all over Germany, that require this simple access. So we meander through a couple of different uh, markets. And, and for someone like me, for instance, that has no idea how these things work, uh, how, is, how, is these, how are these independent systems different than the kind of traditional solar panels? Um, so basically our systems are a complete solar system uh, with, uh, with all the balance of system components that you'd have also, if you have a system on your own roof, you'd have a PV modules, you'd have an inverter, a controller, etc., uh, a battery potentially, if you're going off grid or partly off grid. And this is all in our systems as well. Mm. In our more advanced system, I'll maybe uh, talk about the, the one exception we have later, if you let me. Um, no. And the, the, the different thing is that this is very compact. So our system is about as tall and as large as, uh, as wide as Roy, I would say, looking at you now, Roy. <laughs> <laughs> looking I especially I, at you, I hope Roy. that's a compliment, you know, like <laughs> 185 by... For, for our listeners, uh, it's very compact. <laughs> it's pretty okay. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, so that they're like 180 high um, and, and about one meter wide and you can move them when you want to move them. I think that's the main point. So it like so saves, easy, saves you all movement. the infrastructure and all the logistics of like setting up a complete system, basically. 
Exactly. It, right. it can just be deployed in no time. And then cool. if something changes, which, for example, in Berlin is a city that's very, very dynamic, uh, but we might have to talk about first why our systems are deployed in Berlin. Um, but a, a city like Berlin, where things are dynamic, it's really important that infrastructure can be adapted to that dynamic of the city. So you, they can be moved if, if it's beneficial for everyone. Um, now we got a good impression, a good first impression of what, what you're actually doing. Um, let's jump back to the beginning and tell us a bit more about yourself. Who are, who are you and how did you come to found this company? So you're Lisa, we already established that, but, <laughs> but elaborate a bit further. Um, I'm, I'm, a, I'm 33. I actually just turned 33. Congratulations. Um, thank you very much. It was a nice birthday. I um, came to the topic of solar in 2013 because um, I was very much going to festivals and we came up with a charging solution for phones at festivals. That came from me always having an uncharged phone till today. It hasn't improved with founding the company, <laughs> by the way. And so we did this little solar charging business on festivals as like a semester holiday thing. And we first just built a trailer to do that. So we had this off-grid system going and then we built out a bus and then another trailer. And somehow it was going pretty good, um, but it was very work intense. And all summer we were really starting to be really busy and um, yeah, just cruising around too much. And we also had our first child then. So this first child had to cruise around with us a lot on festivals. Um, so we decided to, to get out of that at some point. And then kind of wanted to stop the solar business because I was starting another uh, uni course, a master here in Berlin, public policy master. And then sort of kind of fell right back into the topic of off-grid solar because we had developed already the next product, which is the standalone solar hub, um, because we were just so intrigued, I guess, by the topic of off-grid solar and second life solar. And so once you're in something, you, you come up with new ideas around that topic over and over again. So that's um how i came to the topic of off-grid solar yeah through phone charging. so uh, it's a it's a family business right you said that between the lines so it's it's your your husband your child it's like three people <laughs> running the the company um so i have two boys vincent and benjamin and they do feel very much entitled to the company and my older son goes around and tells everyone that we're that we including him own a company Even sure. if the people really don't it's want to hear best. it. So. <laughs> it's pretty funny. So how did you meet your um, co-founder? No, 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 no. <laughs> um, yeah, you're right. We're a family business. So my partner is involved in the business. My father is involved in the business. And the children identify with the business way too much. Yeah. <laughs> still at a young age, right? Yeah, at a young age. Yeah. My older one is nine. And he, uh, he will be definitely self-employed. It's looking. I have a, a follow-up question because Roy asked that before, but uh, we all know these these uh, small power banks that a couple of years emerged with have, uh, and they have these these um, solar panels just right on them, and you put them in the sun and they they mm. recharge themselves, and they are like the opposite of efficient. So um, as, as far as mm -hmm. I know, like the the material cost you're uh, or the, the cost for the product you're investing is not getting back any of the energy you would if you just buy the energy. Mm -hmm. uh, it just it was a feel good product back in the days, as far as I remember. So um, 
-hmm. your system on principle is doing the same, right? You're harvesting energy from the sun and everything um, goes into a battery and stored and can be then uh, extracted for some kind of solution. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. But it's it's more efficient and it's mobile, right? And in different sizes, like in Roy sizes and uh, I don't know, probably American sizes <laughs> or something. Um, so um, you already mentioned that you have use cases in Berlin. What's a typical use cases for for such a human sized solar powered power bank? Mm -hmm. So what we're doing in Berlin or in other German cities uh, as well is that we are providing charging for micromobility. So here we're at the topic of Motion Lab and why we are at Motion Lab. Last year, we did a what you'd call pivot in startup language. So we started focusing very much on micromobility. The idea came up 2018 already that we said, hey, with our systems, we could power these e-scooters and these e-bikes that are laying around, being thrown around pretty well. And hey, wouldn't it be nice if these new mobility things, they were framed in renewable energies. So they're really visibly connected to renewable energies. And um, yeah, we started developing the product, adapting the product. And uh, we've now, we're now at version two of the solar docks. We call that product solar docks. It's like a triangular shaped um, charging station, charging and docking station that you can put three scooters, two bikes or a cargo bike. Uh, can park it at so it's kind of they call it in German an Ordnungsrahmen so it beated it, it's like an orderly frame for the vehicles in the city and at Wish the same I, time I, you discharge it via renewable energies you haven't heard that, yeah? It's uh, it's lingo that you get when you talk to municipalities. So that's yeah, I also wish I can unlearn that word because it sounds <laughs> it, it sounds really boring and something uh, towards something so progressive that you're doing, which is much more exciting. But then it's put in a um, on the one hand, I, I see what you mean. On the other hand, we see ourselves as a bit of a harmonizer. So we want to be, uh, if you want to say it a little bit, <laughs> we, we're like, we're wanting to balance out the needs of the city and the citizens, or the municipality and the citizens, and the user and the sharer a little bit. Because on the one hand, you have the user and the sharer, and they want free floating, and they want the vehicles to be available everywhere. They don't want to service out of city districts because that's very expensive, et cetera, right? So they're profitable, uh, they're profit-oriented companies. And on the other hand, you have the citizens and the municipality, and they are like literally, they're basically pissed off, if you want to put it roughly. And everyone hates the scooters. Everyone hates the, the bikes that are tossed around. The city is regulating the sector harshly. And this is just such an immense lost potential because we need the micromobility to work so that we can actually use it for a good mobility transition. But we've already like lost 90% of the people who just wish that these things would disappear because these things have just treated the public space very respectlessly. And in Germany, People don't like that. They start like vandalizing. Even I've seen, I swear, old people in a suit tossing over scooters in Charlottenburg at the castle. I, no kidding. Oh my so God. this is how, yeah, this is how the, the feeling towards the micromobility is and um, towards the shared micromobility. And we really, we need to explore solutions to fix this before uh, this turns even worse, before public acceptance lowers even more and municipalities start kicking out uh, this new form of mobility. So I think giving them the Ordnungsrahmen that they're so desperately looking for, 
but doing it in a, in a really efficient way by at the same time charging and just framing it in a, in a positive way. Hey, this is accessible to everyone. This is not disrespectful to public space. This is really sustainable because everyone understands solar is sustainable. Um, I think that, that in general, that could work. So um, on the other hand, if like I get the part with it's, um, it's a solution that is uh, sustainable, um, that's uh, with renewable energy, that's publicly accessible. So what you, what you are saying is that we should definitely vandalize um, the things that are the opposite of this, right? So uh, individual transport with combustion engines that are using the public space uh, in a non-public way, like let's say cars, we should definitely form a squad and topple these over. <laughs> like, is it what you're saying? Like just to get the story straight. Because people, yeah. let's let's face it, people are doing this um, because micromobility is micro and it's easy to be abused. But believe me, I had the urge to mm -hmm. topple over one or another car that's blocking the walkway. Um, but it's yeah. car, so you could you couldn't do that. Is this like how are you approaching with your solution to to shape the public image of that? Like, is it to make just solar panels more obvious, or is it like a big mm -hmm. information board that's that's helping shape the impression that this is more sustainable? Um, okay, for, for, on the first, of course, I, I think that vandalism in the city is never good because at the end of the day, you bring down the, the feeling in the neighborhood, right? So, um, but people in my neighborhood, they are actually vandalizing cars with, which are standing in the way. So when you park, uh, non, uh, like where people would walk over across the road, there's a lot of scratching and I, I think that's also not good, but I, I understand. We are suggesting that we... We do, I think what we need is a moderate, like a, a friendly transition. So everyone has cars now, or I mean, in Berlin, a lot of people don't have cars, but there's a lot of people who still do have cars. And instead of regulating, I would try to make it easier for them to not have cars because having a car sucks, costs you a lot of money. You really have to be on top of it all the time, maintenance, everything, right? So if it's possible to switch away from the car, I think a lot of people will do it. Um, but it's just really difficult still in Berlin. And with the stations, I think what is really important to me, yes, I want to set a sign for solar. I want to, like, for example, renewable energies, there's the saying, you love what you see. And I think solar is always banned to, to rooftops. We, it, it's good if it's visible. It's good if it's in everyday life. And it's a very uninvasive energy form, the most uninvasive energy form you could ever think of, actually, right? It's not noisy. It doesn't kill birds. It's not polluting rivers or, or blocking river fish uh, streams. It's not burning coal, not emitting anything. So it's really a, a non-invasive energy form that should be present in everyday life. And um, that's what I'm saying to the politicians who tell me that solar doesn't have any place in the city anyways. Uh, green politicians, uh, for example, as well, which I'm a bit shocked about. Um, but I think what's really important to come back to your question quickly, these micromobility things don't have their place in the city. So the city hasn't committed space to them. But in, in contrast, they're try, they, they, the city is more giving the impression of we can't do anything against these things, against these vehicles. Instead of saying, hey, we want these vehicles here and we are reserving them space. They deserve a space. 
and they deserve for example every 50th car park or something like that i think that's a step that's really urgently needed and right now the micromobility shared micromobility services are talking a lot to young single men and i think it's really important to make this a more inclusive mobility form and giving these things space in the city that also people know where to go to when they're looking for a vehicle could already help making it a bit more inclusive. Um, then obviously we need a not, lot more variety of vehicles to make it even more inclusive. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I love what you're doing and I think it's really important to have like that kind of motivation behind you. So that's very inspiring. And I actually have a lot of questions already also about like your pivoting and, and everything. Uh, but I think we should do our little segment now and then we can kind of go more in depth to the other uh, subjects. So this segment, um, it's called the five whys. So basically the five whys, it's a common um, technique used to, uh, to investigate the cause and effect underlying a certain problem. It was first developed by Toyota. So, you know, if it works for Toyota, it'll work for us. And um, okay, so I'm going to ask you five questions with a why. Give me your answer in like one, two sentences, even a few words, pretty short, and let's give it a go. Okay, so the five whys. Okay, so Lisa, you are with Suncrafter, you are making upcycled uh, solar systems. Why? We are doing upcycled solar systems because uh, we can reuse a lot of panels, which otherwise would be obsolete and going into waste, um, although it's not necessary. Why, why are they going into waste if it's not necessary? Because um, on a conventional grid-connected system, it's more interesting to take new panels who have a higher relative power density than the older modules. So therefore, for economical reasons, they're going obsolete. So it's cheaper to generate new solar new solar panels, basically. Is is that why they're doing it? It's more lucrative. It's no, it's more expensive to build your system with new panels, but you're getting a higher return on invest because you're getting feed-in tariffs. Okay, so then why is Suncrafter uh, working with upcycled solar systems if you say that it's economically better to? to make new ones basically. Yeah, because our focus is on access. So if we were to feed uh, into the grid and we are relying on a feed-in tariff per kilowatt hour, maybe we would be working with new modules. Um, but right now what it is about is creating access to electricity in places where it's needed. And uh, therefore we can afford to work with second life modules okay and uh why do you think that this didn't happen till now that this kind of innovation was was stuck um so solar is evolving rapidly and circular economy is always very complex so every business case you need to look at the demand and supply side and work out what the parameters are and i think we're just quite early in this game um there's a couple of other people uh, interested in this and we are helping to create standards um, to ensure also quality and safety um, of the segment right now cool all right that was good
question because you talked earlier about pivoting your business in the past year, maybe. Uh, can you can you tell us actually what why that happened or what was your motivation behind this? Yeah. So. As I said at the very start, we started the business with the aim of bringing very, very simple solar generators, which we call easy panels, um, which require, which are upcycled, reconfigured panels, which require no BOS components, so therefore also no maintenance. Uh, to is, bring them is, into sorry, BOS uh, balance the system components, oh. so no, they they don't need an inverter, controller, etc. Um, so basically solar straight into your device or into your battery if you like um, so that was our aim but we were very young entrepreneurs so we needed to understand a little bit how entrepreneurship runs and uh, we went back into the event sector that I, we were already in uh, early 2010s and made some kind of, uh, relatively good money with the projects in there and this was running and it was kind of financing what we wanted to do in the development sector. And then, and we were, we built quite a big team around it. We were 12 people last year in March. And then all of a sudden the event sector was completely gone. And Why could uh, that Suncrafter be? went to a bit of a crisis. <laughs> yeah, we don't know. It's, it seems like it only hit us. No, no one, everyone else was spared. Weird, that's oh, so weird. Yeah, no idea why that happened. No, I have no idea. That's totally it's, it's, it's a peculiar turn of uh, fate. But it came actually, I mean, it was a crisis, but it was to a certain degree also the necessary push because we had started playing with that micromobility idea already in 2018. 2019, we finally managed to develop something and to, to really invest ourselves a little bit in this topic. And we saw huge interest. There was the Deutsche Bahn coming to us. We had uh, appointments with different um, public transport organizers. And we were like, okay, this is a topic. And we were really excited, but we really didn't have time because we had this event thing going and it, it required so much attention and the God, development thing as well. Yeah, and when it went, it was a drama because we're like, oh, all of a sudden we're losing like 90% of our revenues. Um, but then also it allowed us to yeah take up this topic. So I hope it will play out right for us. So at the end of the day, we lost will. one thing and we lost a large part of the team. And that's, that's very sad. Um, on the other hand, we got given the opportunity to look into something new and hopefully contribute something uh, very valuable, hopefully for mobility transition. Quick question, because we didn't cover this at the start. We know your personal motivation due to the empty phone you have carrying with you, but the first choice uh, of the people I know with an empty phone would not be uh, recharging it via solar. It's just power banks. So why not just going into the power bank battery business? What's the, like, where does Lisa Wenzig come from that she's interested into uh, solar specifically? What's the, what's the, what's the, professional background on that regard that you decided, well, I have an empty phone, others have an empty phone. Let's not do battery business, but let's do solar business. Okay, first of all, I must say that when I had the empty phone issue back in the day, power banks weren't really around. They came in the year after and they were almost a business breaker 
for us, we thought back then when we did the phone charging at the festivals, but it turned out that people just handed us their power banks because they never charged enough for the three days. So we actually made double good business from then on. So that was a curious uh, effect we didn't expect. Um, I just have a relationship with solar because, I mean, the battery thing, you know, it, it gives me a little bit of a headache sometimes. And uh, we are also working on looking if we can provide our solar docks battery free. So really doing a, a thing of like Sektorenkupplung kind of thing, where it's the vehicle battery that will be our battery more. Uh, I don't know if it's feasible. It really depends a little bit on the demand profile and the generation profile. Um, but batteries are not clean, you know, they're not yet a really worked out clean thing. And behind my solar panels, second life modules, I can fully stand behind them. I know they have a fantastic global warming potential coefficient. Um, really good LCAs. Uh, I know I can reduce pollution sorry, sorry. by LCA? doing this greatly. LCA? Uh, life cycle. Uh, yeah. So we did like a life cycle assessment on the products. Okay. Or, uh, universities, two universities did that. And we just know that basically by reusing these panels, uh, instead of using new panels, we're saving a great amount of CO2 equivalent. And... Um, also, we only just got the study results. We are reducing, if you look at a battery swapping system, for example, as uh, the company TIER uses, we can reduce the global warming potential per kilowatt hour by over 80% uh, if they charge their scooters with us. So they should maybe that's, consider uh, that. That's an impressive number. And I, sorry, I have to ask for the abbreviations yeah. because not everyone is familiar with yeah. that. But uh, I already learned a lot in that regard. So amazing. That's that's really nice. Where's where are you going right now? What's the projection, the trajectory you're doing? Like um, maybe after Corona, I don't know. But um, even with with Corona and all the regulations that are coming into place right now. So there's two things that we are passionate about. Um, the one thing that we really want to establish um, going from one city to the next and one municipality to the next is a network of off-grid charging stations, solar off-grid charging stations for micromobility. So we don't just want to put one or two stations, but we really want this to be a public infrastructure that's accessible to all vehicle types and all providers and that the city can say, hey, whatever, a, a half or two thirds of all free floating vehicles are to be found at these stations on a regular basis so that, uh, that it's a little bit more channeled. Um, these stations should be yeah, very densely uh, put. And as I said before, they can be moved whenever necessary, which is really important so that you can actually quickly put them instead of having two years planning time of where to potentially put them. And then you have citizens who are enraged because they weren't asked or something like that. Um, so establish uh, networks in, in various cities across Europe um, of these uh, charging systems. This is the one thing that we are envisioning. We want to have 10,000 stations by 2025 on the road. Um, and on the other hand, we're really still passionate about the, the entire Second Life uh, topic. So here we just really want to be useful in, in establishing international standards and creating an alternative to landfill incineration and recycling globally. So I think reuse has its place in there and, and we hope that we can make sure that, that it, you know, it officially gets its place in there. Cool. Well, good luck. Waste strategies. 
Good luck. I mean, we believe in you for sure. <laughs> Thanks. Ex- excited for it very much. Um, and Lisa, thank you. We're already at our last, last segment, before, but before we close off, uh, so we have some community questions. So before every episode, since we're based here at Motion Lab Berlin, we have such a huge community. Before every episode, we go around and we ask some of the people here at the lab uh, questions that they want you to answer. So I have two questions from you for you shouldn't today. We, should I, isn't, isn't community uh, segment having a musical intro? Am I not singing a song for... Um, yeah, <laughs> you want? That's fine. Okay, That's okay. Fine. You, you can maybe think of a song. Please do, then... Christoph. Please. I want to hear the song. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's the moment is over. I'm not giving any answers without <laughs> having heard the song. No, you have to give answers. This is mandatory. Community questions <laughs> have to be answered. That's the law. It's like okay. when you yeah, come in. You so you so next next episode, you uh, you finish the song and we can hear it. Yes. All right, cool. But for now, Elisa, I have two questions for you from our community. So let's hear number one. Hi, Lisa. Here's Nadine. Where do you get your energy to stay motivated through your working life? Did yes, you hear that? where? Where did you get your energy to get motivating through the working life? Where is it? Tell me. Um, I need to know. Off-grid, off-grid solar. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's not. Okay. <laughs> From compact off-grid solar stations. <laughs> I plug in every morning. This thing with my phone was just an excuse. <laughs> oh, okay. That's, that's, that's nice. Like in crank. Like it's it's always like uh, pulling the... Uh, all right. No, wait. Why are you getting... Uh, like, is there a secret? Because I, having a family too... Um, like my secret lies in coffee lots and lots of coffee so where are you getting your energy from or mo- motivation i think also right yeah yeah to power through the day as an individual and entrepreneur there's one thing that i heard not too long ago that was very useful so i have times where i really slack and i really have to take time out and time for the family and low time and i heard that an entrepreneur has bow and arrow times And when I heard that, that sounded like the perfect excuse for me because I have times where I can really hone in and give it everything. But then I have other times that I need like four hours to write an email and understanding that that's okay. That was really like that. That's really important because you can't always, if you have a family, I mean, you have a a gigantic workload. The hours that I occupy myself with washing per week are ridiculous. So tell me about it. Yeah, so, I think, yeah, just being being a little bit, yeah, it's maybe not possible to be as crazy uh, as people who don't have kids. But on the other hand, then I think the work that you do is usually pretty good work because it's work you really want to do, You right? You have so high opportunity costs when you have kids because I not being with my kids costs me a lot. I don't like not being with my kids. So I really only want to do the stuff that's important when I, I'm not with my kids. Uh, the the saying you heard what's it called again bow, bow and arrow bow and arrow apparently yeah bow and arrow bow and right. arrow yeah nice <laughs> all right um so i'll try to remember that when i have a family as well but that will take some time yeah. <laughs> um okay, uh, you, can, you can send inquirers <laughs> to get together with roy on uh, uh roy at motionlab.berlin <laughs> you already know my height and my width and everything uh from yeah. today so <laughs> No, but I think you'd be a great dad, right? 
Yeah. Are you Thank interested you. in getting to know the human solar station? <laughs> Call 1-800-ROY uh, is looking for you. <laughs> cool. Okay, I hope my girlfriend doesn't hear this. But uh, okay, <laughs> se second question. Hi, Lisa. My name is Fridjof. Um, I have one question about pivoting. What advice would you give to your younger self from a year ago about pivoting your business model? Mm, to my younger self, I wasn't that much younger. Um, to be honest, I think just being a little bit more relaxed going into it is probably what I would give myself because it was a choice on the one hand. On the other hand, it was really absolutely inevitable. And worrying too much about things that are inevitable wasn't like I could cling on to the event sector in that uh, instance. Um, just take them with grace, right? And try to make the best out of it. Maybe the one advice I would have given myself is that it just, you have to understand that it takes a lot of time to learn a new business. So it's a new market, new customers, new environment, new networks you need to build. And that doesn't happen overnight. And that maybe would have been good to have a little bit clearer last year. Okay. So to accept the situation more and to kind of just go with it and take a little bit more patience, understand that. Um, yeah. I think we are all a little bit influenced by these stories of companies who are growing and reach like a unicorn potential within nine months or something like that. But I mean, yeah. this is not why we're in the game, right? So yeah. expecting that, and we're also not willing to give this kind of stuff. Like, Uh, this would mean working 26 hours a day uh, ruthlessly. And Christoph, uh, you know what I'm talking about. This is not yeah, what you're in the game for when you're an entrepreneur or so with a family, I guess. No, that's, yeah. that's not And we're we not in that game anyways, because otherwise we'd be doing a different business for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, this is, if you're listening to this, this is wrong business to make money. So bye. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, we don't want this to turn into a parenting podcast, but I also really see the relationship there because as parents, you also know how to be, how to adapt more to change, right? Because things can, can, can happen all the time when you have a family, you need to know how to move around, how to adapt. So. But, Maybe but that's, that's also makes it that's, easier. That's such a parentless thing to say from you, Roy. That's we are talking <laughs> about one minute of this 40-minute podcast about parents. And we don't want to make this podcast about parenting and kids and stuff. <laughs> like this is <laughs> already getting annoyed immensely. This is like this is part of daily life if you're an entrepreneur with of a family. Of course, of course. So of course everything influences everything. Yeah. No, and, and I definitely, I, I definitely really, really um admire uh people like you two that balance it all. So And I, by the way, I feel what's really cool about Motion Lab, I've seen children here. And I just want to point that out because in a lot of spaces where I've moved before and a lot of startup environments, it was like, I sometimes, I even, I think at, at occasions didn't tell that I had children because I felt like I was going to be like completely pushed aside as soon as people would know that. Mm -hmm. And it is true that people react different to moms. I think that's the dad effect of, oh, he's a dad. He's like, how cool is that? He must be so responsible, uh, everything. And with the mom, it's more like, ah, oh, she's probably too busy doing washing. Uh, she can't look after the business, all right? Uh, which in my case, obviously, isn't true at all. Um, my washing which in most cases isn't true at all. This is, this is <laughs> such a big prejudice um, from, from everywhere. It's not just true anymore. Or it, it probably has never been true, but it's... it's, uh, it's 
I mean, of course, you need to juggle these responsibilities. There's absolutely there's no question. But I think in our time, I feel this this discussion is going a lot around. Like, do the men do it or do the women do it? And it's more. I feel it's more the question: How does society actually buffer this double, um, yeah, this double job that parents have to deal with more than, like, I don't know. Like, I feel everyone is talking just about how much does the guy do, how much does the woman do. And it's really a little bit how can society alleviate uh, some of the responsibilities, I feel more, not by like even more childcare, but making a couple of things easier, you know, like, I don't know, I, I remember back in the day when we should have gotten Kinderzuschlag, I didn't manage to fill out the forms because the bureaucratic hurdle was too much. Um, Just make it a little bit simpler, maybe for parents would be great. And then there was one thing you just said. Ah, yeah. So just very quickly, just want to show you some appreciation because at Motion Lab, kids are welcome. Parents are welcome. People are open about being parents. And I find that really cool because the startup world is so male and single and dominant people dominated sometimes that I feel like this diversity that also, for example, families are part of the startup scene that can be possible to be a parent and still um, yeah, be an entrepreneur. That's really nicely reflected here. Um, so I appreciate that. Oh, I don't feel ashamed thankful. of my children. <laughs> should <laughs> never. More proud you, of them. you should never. Because that's... that's, that's no, I don't feel ashamed yeah. of them, but uh, others, you know others, what I mean. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's not such a manco here. I think it's just a lot more open. People are a lot more natural. Well, yeah. I mean that's also Pretty one of the great things about, about Berlin. No? So I, I, but I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, but thanks for the compliments. Uh, great to hear, Lisa. Thank you. And I also want to tell our listeners that if you have questions for our next episodes, please send them out. Um, to our email podcast at motion lab berlin you can also send us a whatsapp message all the contacts are in the show notes and lisa i want to ask you uh do you have anyone in mind from our community that uh you want to be here at your spot to um to be interviewed and to answer our questions someone that you want to hear more about yeah i'd love to know more about christoph actually i'm very interested in how he <laughs> juggles them Hmm. Everything. It's interesting. Christoph, maybe we should do like a Noka episode as well. Could be interesting. You could interview yourself. I will happily do that. It will Great. take me probably I'd a long time. I'd be happily jumping in as the uh, as the, so doing as the uh, That's person to ask questions. Yeah, cool. we, we should definitely do that. All right. Um, is there anything, a last, any last request or anything you want to add before we close off? You should definitely, Lisa, give us an information where people can find out more about you and Suncrafter. And maybe if it's okay to contact you, if there is an email address that we can all put in the show notes for people to look at. But also if you want to plug anything that people should join a digital event or something from Suncrafter, then now's a good time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, of course, uh, we would be super happy about any feedback, any um questions uh, any contact offers and you can find us easily under www.suncrafter.de also on all social media channels like linkedin facebook etc twitter um, and we would be very happy if 
We received some live feedback for our stations, which are live already on Euref campus and soon will also be at Mierendorf Platz uh, in Charlottenburg. So if you uh, happen to see or use one of our stations, we'd be super happy about receiving some live feedback. Great. Awesome. All right. Well, uh, thank you very much, Lisa. It was a pleasure. Um, thank you, Christoph, as usual. Thank you to our listeners. Thank you, myself. <laughs> thank you to our listeners. Hope you enjoyed another episode of What Does This Button Do? Uh, reminding you to check out the show notes. There you can see all the information about this episode, about how to contact Lisa, how to contact us. Uh, you have all our socials there. Uh, you can follow Motion Lab Berlin on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. You can also send us questions or requests for the podcast through those channels, uh, as well as on our um, website, www.motionlab.berlin uh, slash podcast. Oh, right. yeah. Give me a second, because um, I'm not quite sure. Wait, what, what does this button do? No, 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 no don't press that. <laughs>